Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hello to all who are listening today. My name is Chris Maxwell, and I'm just um, thinking about the conversation I'm going to have today. And usually at this time on the podcast, I just do kind of a hello, and then I sort of turn to my friend Tracy Reynolds, and I let him uh, introduce our guest. But we're not going to do that today. Uh, We're kind of shifting things today, and I'm very excited about uh, the focus of today's podcast. I know I say every week I'm excited, but I I really am because I enjoy each of these conversations. But this this episode today has just a deep place in my heart. Uh, because of my friendship with Tracy Reynolds, uh, I could just think back of the the times that God put us together years ago, and how that relationship has continued to grow, and and we've worked together, and we, and we just spend time together, texting, talking, going places. Um, but I also know the heart. Of, I know the heart of Tracy Reynolds. I know his gifting. I know his talent. He's he's gifted musically, academically, uh, in, in leadership ways. And you've been able to hear that on these, on these podcasts and the areas that Tracy comes up with questions and he thinks of so many good ideas. But, but I have believed for a long time that more people need to hear Tracy, uh, not just hear his voice as he sings or hear his music as he plays, but to hear his story and his thoughts He's taught that in the academic world, in the church world, but I've wanted him to be able to take parts of his stories and just kind of this perspective that he has on leadership and pass it on through a book form. And uh, those of you who are listening, you know I love writing, I love reading, books are important to me, and I'm excited that Tracy Reynolds has taken his heart and his perspective on leadership uh, not from the highest ranking leader, uh, the one always in charge, but uh, he's turned his thoughts into a book. So Tracy, uh, thank you. Thank you for the hard work of writing. Thank you for enduring this journey. And now what an honor it is to introduce you uh, on our podcast as author Tracy Reynolds. Well, I'm humbled. Um, thank you, Chris. I'm trying not to cry. Uh, I appreciate all that. Everything that you've said about our relationship is just cherished by me. And I I would be very remiss if I didn't say thank you for the encouragement. Um, that's a nice word for how you've treated me sometimes. You have pushed me and kicked me. No, no <laughs> actually, he has encouraged me and been a catalyst without doing those things over the number of years. And uh, yeah, uh, and encouragement through the process um, of, of writing. Uh, it's intimidating to be buddies with a guy who writes like you do. So to start to write something and then you've just made it easier to do that. So yeah, I, my my first book, uh, Leading from Second Chair, is uh, just now launching. And I'm excited about uh, being able to share this. Uh, for a long time, I, I 
worried about what would I say? You know, how would I say? What would I say? So I've chosen to talk about something I feel like I know a little bit about, and that is, as you said, not leading from the first chair position, but but leading from second chair. And I've kind of wedded the ideas from my music background into with leadership. And I, I, I think that you'll find, if you're a musician, you'll enjoy that part of it. Uh, hopefully I don't get anything wrong there. You can correct me privately if you don't mind, uh, if that be the case. But also from a leadership perspective and organizational uh, leadership uh, position. So thanks for, for taking the time to do this, Chris. Yeah. Well, well you know, a book or a, or a message that we're giving, it has to have a good takeaway. It has to have a little angle that makes it different because there's so many books on leadership. Um, and for you being willing to write about your role in the in second chair, um, you're not always the one making the final decisions. You're not the one who gets all the attention. Uh, but Tracy, I can tell from someone who has known you over these years, you are humble, you're genuine, and you really do lead well in in whatever role I've seen you function in. You have been willing to lead with the right attitude and the right heart. So I personally know you and know that you are the one that needs uh, to be uh, giving us this message. And, and I believe our culture needs this today. So uh, kind of give us the big picture first, then we're going to start diving into okay. a few of the different chapters. Um, so, yeah, why did you write this book? What's the big take? Go a little deeper than you did earlier. Sure. And just kind of talk about second chair leadership. Well, you know, arriving first, uh, being first, striving to be in first place, and sitting on top of the heap. That's been the mode of operation for most of us, particularly in the Western world. I mean, nobody shoots for for second place or second best. Uh, Not when first is an option, at least. And I've never met an athlete whose goal was to come in second place or, you know, to, to just make it on the scoreboard. Yet, the reality is, Chris, that there are fewer openings for first chair. Most of us do not lead first chair. Most of us lead from at least second chair. When I say second chair, and I'm thinking about uh, my my background was in uh, the public school band. And so if you were the best player, you sat first chair. And then second chair, third chair, fourth chair, fifth chair. And you, there were several parts. And if you're a trumpet player, then you might be, there might be a first and second and third section. And there might be five people playing first chair and six people playing second chair and seven people playing third chair and playing third. So you've got all these chairs playing different parts, but together you made beautiful, hopefully music together. So I really find that second chair leadership is it's important for first chair leaders to understand where the second chair people are coming from, I think. Um, but it's also important for second chair leaders to know where first chair leaders are coming from as we serve together, moving the organization towards a common goal. So I'm really coming from my perspective of um, really where I started. And it's interesting, in the first chapter, um, I tell the story, and I call it "Not the Gig I Signed Up For." Yeah, I love that. That's a great <laughs> title, and I, and I like you setting the mood that way. You know, the first chapter we wanted to get attention, and just the right. title itself of that chapter does. It's like, wow, this is not what I planned. Well, yeah. Well, the deal, a gig is is an engagement. That's like if somebody books an engagement or a a date for us to do something. Well, uh, in a music world, a gig would be a concert or a performance somewhere. Well, my point is, 
you know, I started out. I tell my story a bit in this in this chapter, and that was you know, I was uh, uh, I started band in fourth grade, and I was last chair. There were thirteen players, and I was the last chair player. And my director was actually in his profession. He played in the Marine Corps band, so that was a big deal. That was the presidential band. So he was amazing. He was in his final year before retirement as a public school educator. So uh, one day I had this bright idea. You, you had this thing where you could, uh, if you were sitting last year, you could challenge the person to your left. And if you would beat them, so you had to choose a set of music, you prepared for it, you had to give them the notice, and then you had this showdown or a duel you know, in front of everybody, in front of the entire band, you would play this part, and then he would make a choice about who played best, and then if you beat them, you would move up a chair. Well, I was 13th chair out of 13 trumpet players. I was last chair. And so I thought, well, you know, he was a Marine Corps guy, and one of the little songs in our little beginner band book was the Marines hymn. So Mama didn't raise a dummy. Hmm. I chose the Marines hymn, and I worked that. I got to where I could play that frontwards, backwards, upside down, sitting on my, hmm. uh, you know, I'm standing on my own hands. So I went in, and I played that, and so I went from 13th chair, and I challenged the 12th chair guy, and I won. And then he just let me keep going. He said, "Well." So he went down the next guy, and I literally went 13th to 12th, 12th to 11th, left and 10th, and in one day, I went from last chair to first chair. Mm. And, and I'm just being honest when I said, you know, I, I was raised in a little small town in Winder, and we had a, a good band program, but not an amazing band program. And I was kind of a big fish in a small pond, and I stayed on top of that game. I found, I guess I got some confidence, and I thought, well, I can do this pretty good, you know? So I began to take lessons, and then my band director took me to Allstate and District and whatnot. So I stayed on top of that heap until I got into high school. So I went from 13th chair to first chair, and I thought I was going to be a first chair kind of guy the rest of my life until I got into high school. And uh, so during that time, uh, we had a, in our program, we, they didn't let freshmen sit first chair, kind of like football. You know, you did the, the freshmen weren't going to be on the starting five on the basketball team or the, you know, the starting quarterback at the football team. And I like that, but that was my situation because I was surrounded by half a dozen seniors who'd earned their way in the Winderbera High School Band, and here comes this hot dog trumpet player who'd been all state, this and that and the other. And I, you know, and again, a little bitty tiny community. And so my band director loved me enough to not let me be first chair. Mm. I was actually third chair, and to my left were two well deserving seniors. I don't know that I could have beaten the first year player if I'd wanted to, uh, but I'm so grateful that I, I sat second year during that time. So I talk about this musically, and then I move it over into the, the whole idea of this is what it's like to be a leader. It doesn't matter what chair you sit in. If leadership is influence, we can all be influencers. Oh, that's good. Um, g- great way to start the book, uh, first chapter, and then you move uh in the second chapter, you talk about first chair realities and advantages, and then chapters three and four, you just kind of show more of the second chair. So give us some good takeaway points and the direction you're going with those next few chapters. Well, somebody asked me, why would you talk about first chair 
in a book about second chair leadership, which is a, a great question. And here's the reason why. Uh, matter of fact, I was challenged by one person said, you shouldn't, you should just take that chapter out. And I said, no, I honestly believe that if you're going to be a good second chair leader, you've got to understand the world at least as best you can of a first chair leader. Um, and you need to know what they go through, what the pressures are like, kind of if I'm going to be able to come alongside them and be a good second chair leader, I need to have not just sympathy, but empathy for what they go through. So in that chapter, I talk about some of the common fallacies that people think, well, you know, one of the realities is the buck stops there. At the end of the day, um, they're responsible. If you're working in church world, the senior pastor is the one that's responsible. They're responsible technically to God, but to the denominational officials. Uh, but they're the ones where the buck stops. But there are people that just kind of idolize people. If it's the CEO at the top of an organization or a business or a government leader or a military leader, they think that, oh, those people can do no wrong. They just, they know everything. They know all, see all. And those people know that's not the case. Uh, but sometimes we tend to, to, to think that. Uh, people think you can just do anything. And Another issue I, I raise in this chapter, or at least introduce it, is that trust is the one thing that changes everything. Wow, that's it big. really is. Um, everything rises and falls on trust, and trust has to be granted. It has to be earned. It has to be. I can't make you trust me. I can't force you to do that. It's like I can't make you respect me or love me, Chris. I have to earn that, and that's one decision at a time. That's really kind of based on how does what I do line up with what I say. You know, mm -hmm. in Christian circles, we have a word for people who say one thing and do something else. Right? What's yeah. that word? We call it a hypocrite, hypocrite right? Yeah. yeah. Well, same thing goes. If, if I'm a leader and I say I believe one thing, but I act another way, then I'm losing trust. And if I don't have trust, I don't have leadership. So those are some of the kind of things I go through in that chapter to talk about uh, that if you're really going to be a leader in the truest sense of the word, from my opinion, as a biblical follower of Jesus, then I'm going to be not just a leader, but a follower. And according to Jesus, I'm going to be a servant. Mm. And finally, I would say this, my paradigm of leadership that I buy into and have just described to you for all my adult life is that the team is the thing that you'll hear me say things like, you know what, it, it's not about me. Uh, there's no I in team. All those things I ascribe to, there's nothing better than being a part of a great team. It doesn't have to be a big team. I mean, you and I, Chris, are part of a team that does a podcast, and I think we're a great team together. But uh, I've learned there are things that you do amazingly and the things that I do terribly, and I would rather you do those things that you're great at than I'm terrible, and I hate to do them anyway, so I might as well let you do them. But good teams, you know, that, that's a big part. So yeah. I talk oh, about good. what does it mean to be a first-year leader, uh, and then the rest of the book focuses on, okay, Leading from second chair. Oh, this is so good, Tracy. I'm, I'm just looking at uh, looking through your your chapter titles and fr from functioning as a as a leader in the second chair. What are the, some of the perspectives, the mindsets, the attitudes? What are limitations? Uh, talk to us about those next few chapters because you're walking us through again with from that musical perspective, <laughs> but it applies to. Um, it, it applies to all of us who are functioning in this role, right. uh, you know, whatever our setting. Well, in chapter three, I basically 
tell you the story about how I didn't sit in first chair, but I sat in third chair, and I didn't try to move ahead that year. And I talk about what I learned about observing. I, I, I really give a lot of love to the guys who sat in first and second chair and the seniors in that group and my band director for loving me enough and the things that I learned from that. But then some of the mindsets and attitudes, like one, for, one example is that none of us is as smart as all of us. Mm-hmm that our perspective matters. Uh, My mother had a a boss one time that said, where you sit is where you stand. And that's all about perspective. And uh, if you've ever ridden in a school bus, you know, there are things that happen in the back of the bus that the bus driver can't see. The, they, if you're the bus driver, you look in that rearview mirror. Even if you've got a, a camera in that bus, you can't see everything that's going on. But I need some people in the back of the bus to tell me what's going on back there. So if I'm sitting in second chair, my perspective is going to be different than it is if I'm sitting in, in first chair. So um, part of what we want to do as a leader in second chair is I've got to be aware that, wait a minute, I'm going to see some things that my first chair leader might mm. not see, and they are going to need my perspective. I need to be able to communicate to the people that are leading beneath me what my first chair leader is saying. But I've also got to, to help my first chair leader see the things that I see because I'm a little further down in the pack. Um, and some of the things are like getting people the right people on the bus, and then getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. As a second chair leader, I get to do a lot of that, uh, stocking the teams and, and, and helping us get the right people in to move according to my first chair leader's vision, and then getting them into the right seats in the bus, which sometimes takes some time. And then the idea of, am I here to compete with you? Or am I here to help complete you, to make you better? Oh, I love that. Competing or completing. That's good, Tracy. Well, it gets down to, you know, what is my real reason for doing this? Is it all about me? Is it all about even my senior leaders team? Or is it about let's find ways to help you succeed so that at the end of the day, we all win? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we end this session, you know, again, we, we want to talk about this for two episodes of the podcast. But before we finish this one, dive into a couple of those next chapters. Uh, what are some of the um, limitations uh, and the vantage points of that second chair? Well, you know, I, second chair has limitations just like I, one is that I, I'm not the first chair person. You know, I got to figure out what is my job. And part of that is to realize, well, what is my job not? What is not my job? I remember uh, Chico and the man. uh, You had uh, Freddie Prince would say, it's not my job, man. Well, I don't want to use that as a cop out, but I want to to be honest with myself to know what it's not my job. There are things uh, that we do. Uh, I was placed in a position recently where I'm the campus pastor at a little church down the road. And I'm not the senior pastor, I'm the campus pastor. And I was reminded of that when we had a banquet and my senior pastor and his wife came down. And when he came in the room for that day, it was very obvious to me that he's the senior pastor. He is the, the, he's the one who they delivers most of the messages. And I'm the guy who's there every day, uh, uh, burping the babies and being there in the hospital and loving all those people and encouraging them. And 
they're not one role isn't better than the other they're complementary of each other but i could just need to know that you know that's not my job i'm not trying to compete with him mm. i just understand that you know uh and i get a chance to brag on him i get a chance to sit under his leadership and i get a chance to help uh interpret the mission and the vision into language that they can understand uh, because i know their lives a little better so I get out of that and goes okay. Then what is my job? What is my job? Well, part of my job is to do a good job at my job. Mm-hmm. So I talk about competency and, and that kind of thing, and then I dive into some of the other uh, expectations. But then another in the next chapter, in chapter six, I talk about what are some of the vantage points? What are some of the differences that it's an advantage for me to sit in second chair? That I'm able. Uh, I've always believed, Chris, that. Problems are best solved at the lowest possible level. And if I sit in the first chair, if I'm way up in the organization, I'm the president of the college, I probably don't have a clue what the chaplains are thinking. You know, who's going to have a, a better clue about what the chaplains are thinking? Well, that's probably going to be the campus pastor. You're going to know more. And even if I'm the vice president for student development, uh, you're going to have a better. So, I'm going to need to be having conversations with you about what the chaplains are thinking. And when I have conversations with the president of the college, I can represent those chaplains and you far better than the president would know. Because he's going to, and again, it's leaning into that whole thing. I get a vantage point that they don't have. And here's another one, being a friend. Mm. I love that in every role I've ever served as a second chair leader, uh, my friendship, meaning I care about them as people. I cared about Dr. White as the president of the college of, uh, at Emmanuel, and I still do. I pray for him. I would call him. I would text him. I still do, and I'm part-time at best, but I will always love him. I will always support him. I'll be one of those cheerleaders that will go in the grave just uh, singing his praises. Same, my senior pastor, uh, Pastor Tony Vismar, I've worked with for 20 years. At the end of the day, every time I... I I recognize him or I'm, I'm called on to introduce him. I can't get away from the fact that he's my friend. He's my pastor. He's my boss, but he's my friend. And that's something I bring to the, to the table there. Thank you, Tracy. And I like your heart of taking the right attitude and serving in the second chair of leadership. And I'm proud of you for writing this book. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for the friendship. Uh, you set an example of those who can lead well and all of us who can follow along with other leaders. And you're just teaching us to invite people of, of so many different ages to sit at the table together, learn from one another, and make a positive difference as we're trying to find ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, a weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you joined us. You can find us on your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Tracy Reynolds' new book, Second Chair Leadership, How to Serve, Thrive, and Lead from Where You Play, is available now at ctracyreynolds.com or Amazon. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their musical releases at casualamericans.com or your favorite music supplier. 
We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday. So join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Nothing.